0: Great to have you here on The Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. There are some new changes to saving for your future that go into effect this year and next year, and I want to hit you with some of the highlights now because they are the kind of things that in the noise of life, you don't even know they've happened or are happening. And later, there are new things for you to worry about with Apple, Zelle, PayPal, Cash App, what I need to make sure you're aware of for your wallet. So Congress made a bunch of changes in tax law, and several of these add additional complexity to saving for retirement, but potential wonderful benefits depending on your situation. And there are three in particular I want you to be aware of that allow potentially a change that gets you more money that can grow tax-free and be spent tax-free. Number one, with an employer-sponsored 401k plan, if you go into the Roth version of the 401k, which for probably more than half of people, the Roth version of the 401k in your personal situation would be better than doing a traditional 401k. What I've always had to say is that the employer match goes traditional, meaning pre-tax. So what that means is that even if you're doing Roth 401k, which means the money you're putting in is after tax, it grows tax-free, it's spent tax-free, if you're fortunate enough to work for an employer that has an employer match, the match automatically goes traditional, meaning that you've not paid tax on it and whatever's in that and the growth it would have over the decades, everything in that is taxable, which is not the end of the world because remember, the, it's free money, the employer gave it to you but now you have an option under the law that basically nobody knows about. I saw it in Barron's, and nobody but pointy-headed people like me read Barron's. You can put money in your 401k in the Roth. The employer match that normally would automatically go traditional, you have an option to elect that that be additional Roth money, and pay the tax on the free money the employer gave you up front. Who should look at doing this? People who are moderate income earners. If you're not earning big money, you're in likely a very low federal tax bracket, and the benefit to you of paying the tax on the free money from the employer and the employer match so that it is Roth all through your life and you spend it tax-free later in your life is such a big advantage that it's something you should consider, again, if you are a more modest earner. It means you're going to have to come up with the tax money, but you're likely at a very favorable tax rate, maybe 10%, paying the tax today, knowing you never have to pay tax on that money again, and over the decades, how much it'll grow, that's an advantage. Now, Something else I talk about a lot, SEPs. A SEP is uh, Employer Retirement Plan for Small Business. And then there's something called the SEMPLE, also for small business. Those were always traditional only, meaning you got an upfront tax benefit, but everything in the account was taxed later in your life. Now you have the same Roth option available for you As an employer, if you want to offer a SEP or a SEMPLE, or really you're the one who gets more benefit from those plans than anybody else, if you want to have Roth money instead of all money that will be taxable later in life, you now have that option. Now, the third thing doesn't go into effect till next year, and it solves a dilemma. You know, there's about 60%, 65% 60 65% chance that a child is going to go to college. It's about two-thirds, somewhere more or less. So that's always been a break on people contributing to what are known as 529 plans. Well, starting next year, you can contribute to a 529 plan for your child, which grows tax-free and is spent tax-free for eligible college expenses and in many states has an additional benefit, a tax deduction on state taxes. So you get uh, something as great with a 529 as you do with an HSA, which I've always said is the greatest savings plan there is because you get an upfront deduction and then you get tax-free growth, tax-free spending. Well, now a 529, which has many of those same characteristics, if your kid is one of the one in three, let's say, who doesn't go to college, you're able to convert that starting next year into a Roth IRA for them. So it is never taxed. And you know how I'll tell people, you know, you can't do a Roth for a kid till they're working. Well, now it means... You can basically do a Roth in a backdoor way starting at the time of a kid's birth. Can you imagine how much the money would be worth down the road? It's capped at $35,000 that you can do this with under the law starting next year. But what an incredible deal to be able to put that money in, have it be used for education or have it be used for a retirement account, both strategies end up working in that one 529 account. I'm a little excited about accounts that you don't pay tax, aren't I? Yeah, pretty awesome. Share what I'm like around tax day.
1: Oh, well, you know, you're never really grumpy. But but
0: nobody wants to be around me on tax day. You might be a little
1: stressed. It's okay.
0: A little stressed? (laughs) I'd say it's the one time a year that my stress level is irrationally high mm. is when I have to pay whatever amount of additional tax I have to pay around tax day. No, I'm never lucky enough to get the reverse, the refund. It's always how much the additional tax will be, which is actually a good problem to have.
1: Okay, Rob in California says, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on financial summary services like Mint, In the process of setting up an account, you must grant access, user ID, and password info to one's financial accounts. It seems risky at best. What are your thoughts on this from a security standpoint?
0: Yeah, so what Mint is, M-I-N-T, is a screen scraper technology is what it's called in the industry. You
1: have to do this with QuickBooks or any of these services.
0: Yeah, or if you allow one financial house to keep a financial scorecard on you overall and you have to give them access to your accounts with other places so uh, your thought process rob is right on the money is that what kind of enhanced risk are you making for your life when if somebody hacks into mint as an example that are they now having the keys to all your money so there are newer technologies where companies don't actually store your username and password past that one time. And many of the financial services that MET tracks now offer that ability where once you have that initial access at MET or any other thing like that, they don't have your username and password on hand for a criminal to gain access to. And it varies by financial institution they're tracking if they have basically disposable access. I think of it like when I buy something online and I use these one-time use-only disposable credit card numbers, how much better that is to use because even if an online seller got hacked, the number they have for me for a credit card is useless to a criminal. It's the same idea with the screen scrapers. So here's my thing, Rob. The value of knowing what you got outweighs the potential risk that somebody through a hack would try to cause havoc in your life because so few of us actually have a good picture of what we got and what we owe and the value of that if you use those tools is really great.
1: David in Ohio says, my wife's a teacher with a 403B. I'm sure this is a terrible product, but I need some help understanding what it is. On the one hand, it shows her contributions going into a Vanguard total target retirement fund. But on the other hand, various documents describe her account as a variable Ugh. annuity. So does she actually own Did you shares? Just cuss on our show. <laughs> Does she actually own shares in the Vanguard fund or will she be getting some annuity that is pegged to the performance of that fund? I know you can't comment on our exact situation, but I wonder if you know how such 403B programs through insurance companies typically work.
0: 403Bs are a Frankenstein monster of ridiculous evil. I use the evil word here.
1: Can I just say really quickly, we have had Clark Stinks from people who say they've gotten a lot better for certain plans.
0: There are some, it's like saying the least bad. Fidelity has done a great job in this space, taking something that is an atrocity, an abomination, and making it not as terrible. What the insurance industry has done is use their lobbying power in Congress to give teachers and others who work for nonprofits, a lot of hospital systems, vastly inferior retirement plans to what people have who work at a for-profit employer and have a 401k. The insurance companies have fee after fee after fee on these plans, including massive commissions, administrative expenses, and then something horrendous called a surrender charge, where for up to 15 years, if you choose to leave that insurer's plan, you end up paying these massive fees where they just take your money. They're just like a bank robber without a gun who takes your money from your 403B plan. So in this plan, because it's a variable annuity, it will have massive expenses and commissions attached to it. And your wife should only use the plan if it's the only one available to her in the school district she's in. If there's a match... Use it up to the match. Otherwise, she should not use the plan at all and just do her own Roth IRA with one of the low-cost companies. Uh, Coming up ahead, I want to tell you about some uh, hiccups you need to be aware of with using the Apple credit card and also using the payment apps from Zelle, Cash App and Venmo and PayPal, we got some stuff to talk about straight ahead. We have more and more different ways to do things, and I've told you about Big Bad Zelle for two years now and the crazy problems people have with Zelle, and Zelle is so ridiculously dangerous because it ties directly into embedded in your checking account. And for a number of years, banks were signing people up without their knowledge or consent. Now at least the banks, in theory, are supposed to get your permission to put big bad Zelle working on your account. But Zelle being embedded in your account with no security features whatsoever has made it really easy for criminals to empty your checking account. And as the banks will tell you, There's no consumer protections at all with Zelle. Well, a lot of people who are Chase Bank customers have Zelle active on their accounts and use Zelle regularly and have no idea why I'm complaining about Zelle all the time. Well, what did Chase do? They accidentally double paid people from Zelle and they couldn't figure out how to fix it because... Zelle is a one-way thing, and there's no consumer protections. Seriously. And people were sitting there without money, and I haven't seen anything yet. If Chase has figured out how to resolve this, even yet. And people's money is gone. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. Do not use Zelle. The banks promised last year that they would implement consumer protections in January. It's now summer and there's still no consumer protections on Zelle. Deactivate it on your bank account or credit union account because you're playing with fire. You look at the disclosures from your bank or credit union for Zelle and you will see there are no Consumer protections at all. They will tell it to you, but they tell it. It's really interesting reading the bank disclosures on the lack of consumer protections on Zelle. They make it sound like you and I are idiots and that anything that could go wrong is because we were dumb. The reality is the product is dumb because it's not safe. Enough today about Zelle. Next thing, there's now a warning from federal regulators that with Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal, do not leave money in your accounts with them because they're not federally protected, federally insured. Unless you have an arrangement with Cash App, Venmo, or with PayPal, your money in them is just money that is an asset of the organization. And if they go in any way insolvent, your money's gone. You are an unsecured creditor unless they specifically work with an FDIC-insured bank or an NCUA-insured credit union. Your money is just out there like you just left bills sitting in your windowsill. So be aware of that, that you don't just leave money sitting there with any of them. Now, Apple, think about everything we're talking about here. The theme today is modern electronic finance. Apple has done a great thing with the online savings accounts that pay a wonderful rate of interest far, far more than traditional banks pay on FDIC-insured savings accounts. But Apple's having teething problems with the savings accounts, and there are multiple media reports, including the most thorough I've read was in the Wall Street Journal, where people who have money in the Apple savings accounts, when they need the money, are having trouble getting it. Money's going missing, money's going lost, money's going into suspended animation, and Apple will get this fixed, But right now, here's what I want you to know. If you have money you're putting in an Apple savings account, until I can give you an all clear, have money in there that you don't have immediate need to access at some point. A lot of times people will put money in a good interest-bearing account that they move back and forth at will from a transaction account, like a checking account, into the savings account, back, And that's usually a flawless thing, usually, that typically takes, depending on the companies you're involved with, typically a day for that money to move. Right now, what's happening with the teething problems of Apple, and this is not evil intent, it's just a mess up. The money is taking a long time in some cases to move, and the money's going missing in some cases. It will get fixed, but in the meantime, That's not the account to use for money you have the possible need for immediate access. Like, let's say you're storing money there for a down payment on a house you're doing or something like that. Not a good idea until Apple fixes these problems or Apple's vendor fixes these problems. Krista?
1: Todd in Florida says Clark is vehemently against Zelle for good reason, but if I treat it like Venmo or Cash App and have it linked to a throwaway checking account, i.e. separate from my main account at another institution like Venmo is, would that be an okay way to use it? I'm not a huge fan of Zelle, but a couple of family members have it anyway, so it would be easier, an easier way to send money.
0: Yeah, and that would be that would be fine because you're not going to have a lot of money in there Um, I have my oldest brother continues to try to send me money he owes me on Zelle every time he forgets. And I say, Gary, I'm not accepting this money. I'm never accepting this money because that means I have to activate Zelle and I'm not doing it and you should stop doing it. And uh, so then he sends me money electronically otherwise. But in your case, what you're thinking of doing, Todd, with a completely separate convenience account just to use Zelle for the family members who haven't learned yet the dangers of Zelle, that's a good thing to do, smart thing to do.
1: Jeff in Alaska says, should I transfer money out of my bank account into my PayPal account? PayPal is currently offering 4.15% on balance into, in an account. Is this too risky, and what about FDIC insurance?
0: So as long as it's in the PayPal account that has access to FDIC insurance, going back to what I talked about a couple of minutes ago, you're fine, and you got the 4.15%. You can go to bankrate.com and look at savings rates, go past the ads, and look at the list of all the best rates, and you'll see institutions that are paying higher than the 4.15%. But as long as you're, they're FDIC insured. As long as you're in the PayPal account that is FDIC insured, you're good to go.
1: And we actually keep a list of those accounts as well at clark.com. So you can just go to clark.com and find the high paying. Sorry, accounts.
0: Krista. It's okay. I should have said that. Our team
1: works really hard. I just want them to get recognition. Sarah and okay. Georgia says, Thank you, Clark and team. I listen to your <laughs> podcast and receive your email newsletter. My dad is now a fan, too, after I sang your praises. Sometimes I swear you're listening to my conversations because your info is always timely and pertinent. I'm constantly sending your tips to my 25-year-old in hopes to turn her to the Clark side. Thanks again for helping so many be fiscally responsible. And I had to read that because I thought the Clark side, that's another one that someone's come up with.
0: We've been trying to come up with what's the pithy phrase for people that are really adopting... Clark Smart kind of things with their money. and See, Clark Smart's what we used to use.
1: Yeah. Well, I like Clark Smart, too. That was the title of one of your books. Um, And then Jeff in New Mexico says, I'd like to request that you cover a segment on Series EE savings bonds and what to do with them as they mature. Navigation would be very valuable.
0: Yeah, so uh, first of all, buying Series EE's. I don't recommend any more buying Series EE savings bonds. If you do buy savings bonds, you want to buy Series I or inflation adjusted. And Series I savings bonds come with two interest rates. One, a fixed rate for the life of the I bond plus the rate of inflation. So it's a real deal. Series EE, not an equivalent good deal. When EEs are done, when they've been through their 30 years, you cash them in. There's a bunch of rules with it, but if you have a college student in your household, you can use Series EEs or Series Is to pay tax-free for college. It's almost like the savings bond equivalent of 529 college savings plans. And I wouldn't want you to wait the full 30 years if you had a college student in the family to use that money tax-free for the eligible college expenses. But again, there are a lot of tax rules involved in using the Series EEs or Is for college. But you cash them in, and normally at the end of the 30 years, you pay your tax, and then you can then take the money and do whatever you want to with it, invest it, put it in savings, buy new Series I savings bonds. Any of those things would be A-OK, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And know that we are here to serve you with information that in our heads and our hearts, we believe is the best advice that we can give. And that's how we do things at Clark.com is to serve you with information that you can act on in your life and information that I believe through and through is the best information available on that topic that there is. Have a great day.